Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago, the nightmare continues. Chicago Tribune sports page. Really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum. You know him? Never heard the name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. Well, when's he coming back? I said, you want to come back? And it was an emphatic, no. We're glad he misses us. Sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Jordan Burnfield, who's sitting in for Wayne Randazzo, who's sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk. It's Matt Spiegel. This is funny, because we're trying so hard to make this funny, and it's not funny. They suck, so you don't have to. Baseball is full of suck right now. For some reason, they sing. With a duck duck here and a quack quack there, right? Take the last train to Turdsville, and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They won't stop singing. Lido. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid, and it is really flowing. What percentage is five bucks uh, on a hundred? They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Messmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so badly. The three words that best describe this show are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Rosenblum and Spiegel on WSCR. 670 the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday suckage, an hour later, but only until 2 o'clock, so suffer with us, Saturday suckage. Rosenblum and Spiegel, we will talk Cubs, a Cubs pitcher who is here, by golly, doing what he should have been doing, and a Cubs pitcher who might be coming to the Cubs, but first, but first, we have a special induction into the Wake and Bake Club. Smoke weed every day. Governor J.B. Pritzker and the state of <laughs> Illinois, welcome to the Wake and Bake Club special induction to the WB Club for legalizing recreational marijuana. January 1st, 2020 hmm. is the big Wake and Bake Off. That Smoke is the day. every day. There you go. It's the big, it's the big day. It's a whole new meaning to winter classic. Well, it's beautiful, and I'm glad you brought it in. The... Um, the bong that every inductee into the Wake and Bake Club is <laughs> yes. given, emblazoned with your face. 
And it's a beautiful bong. Which would need you you would need to smoke weed to you deal to, look to live at with my the em- face. You'd need to blaze to deal with the emblazoning. Yeah. And I would say that it would be J.B. Pritzker's first bong, but I don't think that's true. I don't think so either. No. I want him to be in this studio to sign that bill when the recreational pot bill becomes becomes legal, when he, when he makes it legal with his uh-huh. signature, which he campaigned on. Uh, and, and we have many sports. Eugene Monroe, most notably, but so many athletes have chimed in about the need for recreational pot don't test us for it we this is better than opioids and they without a doubt they they there are so many there's so many sports and fingers to this oh yeah the number of former nba players who own weed companies Brad now miller, former bear brad miller out in la he's he's part of that former bull right former yeah former bill yeah and and uncle spliffy up in Oregon. Yes, Cliff Robinson. Yes. And was- I believe I believe Al Harrington also. I think that's three off the top of my head. Also, who's yeah, there's there's a lot. Investments. Yeah. They're, they're ex- excellent investments, although uh, I was just talking about this with somebody else that everybody is trying now to get into that business. Oh, Rocky Wirtz is Rocky Wirtz, I believe is as far as the the whatever whatever the liquor company is, they are infusing it with cannabis and it is the liquor uh, itself they're infusing yes i'm in in, and in canada and they are doing it he's Uh. he's tied in with i i read the story once about a canadian a canadian canner and a canadian alcohol distributor and and rocky works i believe is part of this Mm -hmm. and if you have to watch the blackhawks miss the playoffs for another year you're going to need some of that infused (laughs) so it is a celebratory day for the wake and bake club it is we're we're thrilled we've 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 reached another milestone. I think it's a stones. I think it's a fitting. <laughs> it's a fitting irony that on a day this big and important for the Wake and Bake Club, we don't start until noon. Yeah, <laughs> but the good news is you can still you can wake you can, and bake. You will have woke and boke at, at any time. At any time. At any time. So, also planned today, David Schuster. <laughs> um, you know what? We get so so much so tired of talking about the crappy new Bulls with him. I do have a thought on the old Bulls and this NBA Finals. We'll talk to him at twelve twenty. And following the White Sox, the hottest baseball team in Chicago, so we'll do that at one o'clock. We have a new segment. Why I hate Lynn Bramer. We'll do that. We also have some special audio throughout the show. But first, let's talk about a Cubs pitcher who's here and a Cubs pitcher who might be coming here. So. We discussed Keg, Craig Kimbrell last week we did, because Steve Ciszek had just 80% or whatever Joe, whatever percentage Joe Madden put on him, mm. he couldn't finish. And you and I discussed, I said, is he worth losing the draft pick? Is he worth the money? When you have this window now and you had the most cogent point, the reason Keg, Craig Kimbrell's in the news today, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic wrote that Craig Cub sources – the sources have told him the Cubs are sniffing around Kimbrel because essentially taking the Zobrist money. money. Yeah, and, and we should say our Bruce Levine has been on that for several weeks that Zobrist might not be coming back. And if he's not, that prorated money will end up being around $9 million. And you can get a pretty good closer, which the Cubs desperately need. So you can put that nine mil towards whatever you're deciding to spend this year um, that they have not spent. 
but folks have been assuming they'll spend something as they add payroll towards the, the, the deadline. But you could go and grab this free agent at three years, 45 mil, let's say. And the 15 you're spending this year, when you take the nine or the 8.6 of Zobris money, then it still keeps you under the, the either the first or at least the second tax threshold. There's three thresh- thresholds, right? There are. And one is one. This like, one you do not one want is, to go anywhere one near. Is Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs. <laughs> Those are the three, the three thresholds, I guess. Uh, so, would, if you were the White Sox, would you trade for Ben Zobris so you could then use the money to sign Dallas Keuchel when he doesn't show up? I'm, I'm confused. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But right. first, the point about Kimbrel is the Cubs need a closer, but he might not be the guy because, as you brought up. He wasn't very good in the second half of the year last year. See October for see Chris Sale closing the World Series clincher for for details. And he was chaotic at times in the playoffs and untrustworthy. And you trusted more guys, you know, Brazier and and Barnes and these other guys out of the Red Sox bullpen were more trusted than Kimbrel by the time you got there, which was not at all what you expected. And then he's not. He's he's not been at a major league camp, so he's been throwing supposedly. How long would he need to get back up to speed? And that and then which Kimbrel do you have? So I I, I have how not, would you judge that? I, uh, do you have any idea? What do you mean? Like when how, you how would you know which Kimbrel you have? Yeah, how at this point if you're the Cubs, what would you? I assume you got to make him throw faith? for you. Yeah, you got to you got to ask him to throw for you. Which is not something typically that free agents uh, are, are ever asked to do. Well, not at that level. No. But if you want $45 million, you should have to – you can't dictate every term, right? You should be able – the team should be accommodated. Somebody who's going to pay you that kind of money should right. be accommodated. Well, yeah, because that conversation will go like, I'm not going to give you the three years. Why not? Because I don't know what you have. You want to see me throw? Okay, then yeah. So, so maybe that's that's what it'll come to, and then you'll measure whatever you want to measure in terms of spin rate and carry on the fastball and his accuracy and such like that. But if you're him, do you throw? That- I, I I don't think so. Maybe that's what the big one of the the big stalling points has been. If you're him, why why bother? Look at my career. Look at the body of my career. It's yeah, an but inconvenient as you moment. Out. This isn't three years ago. No. Sure. Or even a, two years ago. When he was a dominant guy, and how much of, I mean, closers can be so flighty. Mariano Rivera aside, he mm-hmm. was the one lockdown gimme thing, the famous Jim Leland line of, of saying, all I do is see, you, you know why I smoke? Look, uh, look at Joe Torre over in the other dugout. Yeah. He just sits there. Just sits there swinging his legs. That's all he does. No wonder he's got Rivera in the game. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and Rivera, what, Rivera was not. I mean, the velocity was important, but his velocity waned during the last half of his career. But the cutter always was great, and it didn't matter if Kimbrel's velocity dips back down. Yeah, you know, then then his usage, his utility goes goes way way down. So. Look, maybe the availability of the money changes the aggressiveness. I just, I still would very much have my doubts. But there, you know, if you do that, then you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to give up your your Ian Happ or your Adbert Alzale or whatever your minor league pieces are that you're going to give up for Shane Green in Detroit or Ken Giles in Toronto. You're not giving them up. Ken Giles. I so want Ken Giles. Mm. I just, eh, what's wrong? Guy throws strikes. Yeah, he kind of mentally could not handle the big role in I Houston. I know. That fair, that, okay. All right. Speaking of not handling the role mentally and emotionally, 
Suddenly a guy is. A Cubs pitcher who's here. So I know you want to get to this. I want to do this before we take our break. Bigger than the loss last night. Bigger than the loss last night is watching you, Darvish, walk the first two guys and not only not implode, but rebound to give you six excellent innings. Three hitless innings. The worst three-inning no-hitter I'd ever seen. The scary, <laughs> or the scariest. You know, it was quite the roller coaster. Like, I was holding my breath the whole time, mm-hmm. and then I look up, and, and, it, and Len Casper says at the end of three, 1-1. One, one. And I, wait, the Cardinals still don't have a hit. They yeah. went in the fourth. I'm going, oh, my God. So... As you were saying, the the care and feeding or the embrace and coddling, the... Yes. Operation Get You Darvish Comfortable and Confident. (laughs) An organization-wide village production. It takes a a village, Steve. I thought you were going to say village idiot. No. Okay. They have achieved comfortable and confident Darvish. Look at the last four starts. There are four successful starts in a row. I know people want to quibble with the last one with the seven innings plus and the six runs, but, but, but think about what has gone on. Four starts ago, struck out 11, walked nobody. Oh, boy, maybe this is that turning corner. That, that, was, that was great to see. Right. I mean, and that was phenomenal. That was him with his best stuff and right. completely accurate with it. The next start, he walked three guys, Gave up a couple of hits and a couple of runs, but still struck out six and got through. Uh, I, was it was it five and two thirds that start? I don't I don't know, but it was it was another solid start. It was a solid start, and he did not have his best strikeout stuff and, and walk people. Three starts of at least six innings. Okay, his so, last three starts have been at least six innings. All right, so now one he got into the eighth, which they needed. If for no other reason, that's the thing. Save the bullpen. So, so the first one was the five and a third at eleven Ks. The uh-huh. second one that I'm talking about was a quality start where he still walked a couple people. This the, the, the two starts ago, where he goes seven plus. I didn't like him being out there for the eighth and and to face Dietrich. I don't even put that on him because Joe put him out there because the bullpen. But he's bad in the sixth inning. Joe sends him back out for the seventh because they have to eat innings. Mm-hmm. Remember this. He throws a seven-pitch inning, dominates people, including getting Puig as the last out of that inning. And, and that was a success, to have gone that far and to get through seven. And then last night, he walks the first two guys. And then finds his command. Finds his command with the fastball. Just like he did in that, the seventh inning you're talking about. Yes. Oh, fi- my God, everything's where he wanted to be. He's throwing darts. He doesn't do those things if he's not what we can all see now, which is finally Comfortable and confident. You credit Boris's warm sports nest. Credit Joe. Credit Tommy Hadovy. Credit the six man mental skills department. Credit the entire book that Theo Bob Tewksbury and wrote. Jed, yeah, you know, and yeah. Victor Caratini. Where is he in this? He's well. I'll tell you, he's not in this. Is Wilson Contreras is not in this? I was going to ask. So, what's the Victor Caratini hug compared to the Wilson Contreras hug? Is is Wilson Contreras does is he too excitable? For you, yeah. and does he move too much? For a guy whose pitches move too much, is pitch framing even more important? You need the 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 steadiest. Yes, yes, and yes. The you need a catcher on Xanax. The the, <laughs> <laughs> the emotional volatility of Wilson Contreras, which is more under control than it's ever been, is but, still too much for Darvish. Yeah, the so unnecessary cat like reflexes of Wilson Contreras, which are as under control <laughs> oh, yes. as they have ever been, are still too much for you, Darvish. You know what he is? He's Cato. 
in the Pink Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> he just attacks from nowhere. Which, by the way, is John Not, Belushi. No, is John Belushi in the Blues Brothers action scenes, now that you're making me think about it, right? Looking around. No, he's John Belushi in Animal House as they're putting the, putting the ladder up. As they're, as they're getting the horse in the dean's office, and he's putting the ladder up in the sorority house. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you had the Belushi thing. That's right. Uh, but, and I am totally for you, Darvish, using either Victor Caratini or Taylor Davis or whatever non-Contreras catcher is on the roster. It worked it, for John Lester, didn't it? David that, Ross. There you go. If that's what you need, then that's what you need. Greg and Maddox? Greg just, Maddox had his guy. Yeah, absolutely. Eddie Perez yeah. for years and years. We, we, we've gotten there. We've gotten there. And you know what? Look at that strikeout to Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, to end the fifth inning. That two-seamer that Greg Maddox made famous where it starts inside in the left-hander and then comes in back in over the plate. Set up by three cutters that move the other way. A four-seam fastball high and away. And then he throws that two-seamer and that cute little fist pump as Darvish walks off the mound. He is feeling it. Took a long time. Eventually. It took a long time just last night. Let's get through. They get a run, and he doesn't give up a hit. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, the White Sox are winning too. David Schuster was there. the The NBA Finals are going on. Quite a quite a surprise, I think. Even well, they were the betting favorite. The Raptors were weird in Game One. Yes, I didn't so understand that. I have a comparison I want to run by David. We will um, top of the hour our new segment. Uh, Why I hate Lynn Bramer. We'll debut that. We have other audio along the way. And we have crap to get out of here. A great day for the Wake and Bay Club. Recreational pot is legal. We induct J.B. Pritzker and the state of Illinois into the WB Club. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Smoke weed every day. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, you're listening to the voice of the Chicago sports fan for over 25 years. Sports Radio, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers and the first ever Kona, taking Chicagoland by storm. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Smoke weed every day. Yes, indeed. Big day for the Wake and Bake Club. Recreational pot legalized, voted in. Governor J.B. Pritzker and the state of Illinois have been inducted into the WB Club and longtime member of the WB Club now joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. We choose David Schuster. David, how are you? I was born part of this club. Yes, you Many, were. many moons ago. Yes, as soon as you... Well, that explains a lot, yes, actually. It does. It does. <laughs> and it's good that somebody finally did. So, David, I want to we we will get to the White Sox in a moment as you spent your week there. But I had I'm watching the Raptors win Game One against this dynastic franchise, and seeing Kawhi Leonard as maybe arguably the best player in the game, and I'm thinking of the '91 Bulls, and seeing them go against the dynastic Lakers, and I see them having the best player in Jordan. And I see a first-time franchise in the finals. And I see remarkable depth to the point where Pascal Siakam is doing in game one what John Paxson did in game five. 
And I just see some similarities for hmm. a team growing like that. You were there because you were there when dirt was created. So let's <laughs> let's compare and contrast. I don't know if it struck you this way, but what do you think of the uh, comparison I just offered? Uh, I'd say you've been smoking some dope. That's uh-huh. what I would say. Um, I don't really compare. <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to figure. Let's re- try and remember that roster. I mean, obviously, who's B.J. Armstrong on the Well, Toronto it's not going to be person for person. Who's Craig the, Hodges? I can't figure. Who's Craig Hodges? It's not person for person. It was. But, okay, but here's so, something. Here, let me give you something else just for just for mm-hmm. yucks. Mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam. 30-plus points, 5-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists in his first career NBA Finals game. The only other two guys to do that was Allen Iverson in 2001 and Michael Jordan in 1991. So he joins, yes, he joins that list. I'm just looking for some way to localize an NBA Finals, and and that's the way it struck me that there's similarities (laughs) to the Bulls. And if you don't want to play our game at home, let's talk stinking White Sox. Um, okay, well, the similarities, I guess, are there's a lot of unknown players to the national audience. I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Um, I mean, no one knew these guys. I mean, Siakam wasn't even supposed to make the roster when the season started. If you go back and read um, a lot of stories on Toronto going into the season, he, he was not even an afterthought. He was a beforethought. So, yeah, I guess there's a, from, from that standpoint alone, a Kawhi Leonard, I won't argue with you that right now, I don't know if he's the best overall player in the game from start to finish the season, but certainly right now he's playing as well, or if not better than anybody. So I will agree with that. By the way, did you see the story that the L.A. Clippers and Doc Rivers were fined fifty thousand dollars yes. for quote unquote tampering for, for calling? Now, it, yeah, he said that Kawhi was the most like Jordan since Jordan. He said this on a show on ESPN, which has a deal with the NBA, and that's a problem. <laughs> okay. Well, a lot of problems. I, mean, I have a I have a problem with that being called tampering. I mean, if you throw around a nice compliment against somebody, mm-hmm. that's tampering. Anyway, that, I got off the beaten path. I didn't understand that. But yeah, I mean, right now Toronto's playing really well. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, Kevin Durant is now already out of game two, even though he traveled to Toronto. They're even talking about him not being ready for game three. When is he going to be ready for game four when they potentially, I'm not saying they will, are down three games to none? I mean, that's pretty peculiar to me. I, I think I, the I mean, next season, Nick's season opener <laughs> is when he's likely to be ready. That would be, that would be my guess. Um, and and speak, speaking, of, speaking of injuries, and I keep getting off the beaten path here, did you see that a couple of the very top lottery players for the NBA draft are having surgery here over the next John week Moran. to ten days? Even before the draft, I mean, John Morant, we saw this uh, this morning or yesterday, he's having some very minor knee surgery. And Cam Reddish, and this would be a great story if he comes to the Bulls, I guess. I mean, he's having surgery that's going to knock him out of the loop for the next four to six weeks. I find that very interesting that a couple of these players, they must feel that they're guaranteed already their spots in the draft lottery. But these two players are having surgery over the next week or so. We'll see if that means that any of them fall. If John Morant should fall to seven, that'd be nice. 
That'd be fine. You take him. I'd with be good with minor that. Minor knee surgery. I'd be, I'd be good with that. Otherwise, it's a big pile of, of of yuck. A big pile of barely getting the barely fighting for the eighth playoff spot. David, you've been south over at Guaranteed Rate yeah. Field. They started out this yeah. um, homestand. These first five games. Let me do the math. Hang on. One, two. They've won all five of them. <laughs> and same. And, and you know what? It's really nice that they are feeling good, this batch of players, including young ones that will matter and older ones that will not. But it's nice that they're feeling good. They're feeling like every day that they show up to the ballpark, they could and might win the ball game. That's, that's a huge victory in and of itself for this particular batch. Well, it, they certainly can win when they face the likes of the Kansas City Royals and the Cleveland Indians. I don't want to take anything away from the White Sox because they've been very, they've played very well these five games, but they're also in an awful division. I mean, Minnesota's running away and hiding in that division. Cleveland, which was supposedly was at least going to challenge. I mean, they they were awful last night. They had four little league errors in last night's game. But that all being said, the White Sox are getting a combination of some good pitching, some timely hitting. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Colome. Um, you know, do the White Sox? I mean, the White Sox are what a game, a game and a half out of the second wild card spot. They are one game behind Oakland, Boston, and Texas for the second wild card. They have every reason to sign Dallas Keuchel. Well, I, I don't know they if they're do. going to do that, but 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 David, make them. the point. Okay, I'll, uh, Jerry. <laughs> hello, Jerry. Where's Jerry on speed dial? Talk to Rick. Um, first. Here's the here, here's the point. They do have something that a lot of teams. You mean you talk about uh, Kimbrel earlier? Teams could also trade for Colome. Also, um, you know, he's only 28 years old. I'm sure he's in the prime of his major league career. He's been very successful almost throughout so far. Not only this season, but through his career. Are the White Sox going to be tempted with another deal of getting more prospects? for something like that, or do they take a look at the fact that, like you said, they're only a game out of the second wildcard spot right now. Do they add? I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Thankfully, they are in the American League where, you know, most of the teams are already set for the playoffs, and like I said, that, that wildcard and second wildcard teams, those are going to be up for grab all season. So we, I want to go back to this, and we'll never know, but had... The White Sox won the Manny Machado. Had they come to their senses and just said, Manny, whatever you want, 30 years, 30, you know, 30 million a year, 10 years, would Tim Anderson be having this kind of year in center field? Great question. Who knows what the Or would he be would playing be? third base? Where would Moncada be? How would they do this? Would Tim Anderson be, this be his, almost his leadership coming out party? Because I think he is such a, such a, more than just a hood ornament, he represents some stability. What do you think? I think shortstop is a, is part of that swagger too. Oh yeah, the fact because that he's of that position, the most important position yeah. on on the field defensively. He has gotten better and better at it through the course of of the years, and his his swagger in, included. That's my position. I'm not getting off of that. It, that's right. It, when they were, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I don't know where he's going to play because I, I play over here, <laughs> which, which is which is adorable. And, and but and it's and it's part of his swagger. So your question is a good one because he'd be having to adjust to center field most likely, and how might that have thrown off his overall game and vibe and swagger? It's a good question. It's a great question. It's a great question. Obviously, I mean the White Sox as of maybe today have well, not one, not two, but three potential All-Stars on their roster. I mean, Anderson, I think, is going to be a lock as an All-Star. Um, Lucas Giolito, especially if he keeps 
going the way he has in the month of May, he could be uh, an all-star as an American League pitcher. And we've already mentioned Colome, who's been outstanding out of the bullpen. I don't think Anderson, if he would have moved positions, I mean, you, you saw his attitude going all the way back to Glendale out in spring training. He didn't want any part nope. of Machado, nope. um, and he was, you know, almost—I don't want to even use the word relieved. I think he was almost adamant that when the Sox didn't sign him, he said, "Good, that's my position." And look what he's done ever since then. I mean, he has played All-Star baseball this season. So um, I think, in retrospect, you know, and hopefully the White Sox use that money to down the road, maybe even before the trading deadline, who knows? Um, and then they'll use it to some positive effect. But I don't think Anderson would be having the same season as he's having now if they moved him to a different position. Yeah, you know? I'm with you on that. Yeah, but I, I would say also, if Machado had been here, if, if Machado was here, and they wanted him, they tried, they just drew the arbitrary line in the sand between 250 and $300 million. Um, and, and the Padres said, oh yeah, we'll go past this line yes, that, that they that. drew. They drew a line? Yeah, yes, no, we don't have any lines. That. Let's Let's go ahead and go past that. But if Machado were here, then I would be, and they were playing, and this was their record, and this was their standing in the playoffs, in the playoff race with Machado here, I'd be saying, yes, make your moves. Yes, make your moves. Because because you you had added a player of of that consequence, and it raises you your like possibilities. Sign a, a Dallas Keuchel. Well, or like trade for somebody. Go yeah. ahead and trade some of your young prospect capital. Because where are they going to play anyway? You're starting to you know you'd, you'd have Anderson in center, you'd have Jimenez in left, you'd be grooming Luis Robert for center, and then you're moving somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you're figuring it out, but you'd go ahead and move stuff and and go for it as the Padres are in go for it mode. So, so Maddie, let me ask you the let me ask you the question: If the if the White Sox are in the same position, I don't know, a month from now, they're knocking on the door of that at least that second wild card spot, if not even the first one. What are you going to do with Colome, who obviously is going to be revered by other teams around the major leagues? What are you going to do? I need to be overwhelmed. If I'm the White Sox, I need to be overwhelmed by the offer because Colome's under contract next year. Why not just hold on to your closer who is ready to be a closer next year as you're actually going for it? So I, 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 okay I don't move him. Playing. You know? Well, the closers are so flighty. It's still okay to keep them more than one year. It, but. it certainly is, unless you can get an MLB-ready piece. If you're going to get a starting pitcher for column A or something yes, like that, yes, then, yes, then, then, then I'll consider that. But you don't need to add to a prospect pile at this yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like Bill Hader. Yes. Today's okay. <laughs> okay. So this week, the White Sox <clears throat> inadvertently staged one of the all-time great first pitches. Oh, my God. But last night, did you see last night's first pitch, ceremonial first yes, pitch? Yes, yes. For those of you who didn't. Phenomenal. I was outstanding, and there's a second part. The first part is it was Mitch Trubisky throwing out the first pitch. Only he did it with his offensive line standing in front of him. Blocking. He had them blocking for him while he was on the mound, and he threw a pitch to home plate. He's usually tall enough to throw it over the lineman anyway, but standing on the mound, he was extra he tall. He could see. Yeah. So they did that, and it was a great look. It's really good video, which we don't do on radio, but it's really good video. Then later on, the screen, the, the, the video screen flashes on them, and there's Kyle Long sitting next to Mitch Trubisky, and they clink beer cups, plastic beer cups, and then chug them and drain them. And Kyle Long tweets out the video with, that's how you get it done, Aaron Rodgers. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Look at that. Okay. It's it. I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. 
Yeah, okay. Mitch Trubisky, definitely better than Aaron Rodgers when it comes to chugging, chugging beer. beer. No, no fans or buts about it. Well, you know what? Your offensive linemen love you like that. Okay. David, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. Texter says, uh, Texter says on your question, how is that a good question? Manny would have played third, and Moncada would still be on second. Padres just showed you that he didn't mandate shortstop. Well, yeah, that's for a prospect the likes of Fernando Tatis. Mm -hmm. Well, when it was Tim Anderson who's been getting better and better, but is not uh, respected defensively to the level of Fernando Tatis, I don't know that that's uh, that's not as easy an answer. That would have been friction that I don't know this team would have been. This wouldn't have been the good ship lollipop. They they, they would have figured it out. If Anderson had to move, uh they might not have moved him, though. They might not have. Okay, I have some some audio I want to share with the class. I want to share with you. Um, You know... Hockey, hockey songs, hockey victory songs have become all the rage. The blues have Gloria, a song that they several players discovered in a bar, a la Don't Stop Believing" with the White Sox when AJ and the boys heard it in a bar. This was discovered when the Bears were beating the, were losing to the Eagles in St. Louis. The blues were in Philadelphia at this bar when they would stop the game, when the game would go to commercial. The blues, or I mean, the the DJ would play Gloria by Laura Branigan. Yes, that, that Gloria, that one, not and the Van Morrison and no, them no. song. This and they loved the blues. Loved the peppiness of the song, and they brought it into their clubhouse, their dressing room. And this was right January sixth, wasn't that the game? So that would have been the date. Three days after they're the worst team in hockey, and now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. And it took them 51 years and seven months to win their first Stanley Cup Finals game. They finally did that since they were born. So there's Gloria, and we know um, the the White Sox would play Don't Stop Believing. Mm-hmm. I don't include Chelsea Dagger because that's not like the Blackhawk players wouldn't play that. That wasn't the locker room, the dressing room choice. Anyways, we'll come back, and there's another adding to the hockey legend of weird songs that show up in victory. And um, John Oliver on why he's a Mets fan. I have audio on that I want to share with you. And I have a list for you because you like lists and we both like greatness. And this encompasses, this has both. Is it a baseball list? It is a baseball oh, list. Oh, it it's, makes me happy. You're just, you can just embrace this. You can romance this. I have a feverish baseball trivia brain that does not get activated enough. I, I don't even know if it's trivia. It's just sort of appreciation for... Uh, um, for excellence, for greatness. Okay. And we're sort of watching it. We have a tendency not to always appreciate that. If I can guess um, some people that are on the list, that counts as trivia for me. <laughs> but what if it's so easy that you should guess it? Is that still trivia? It, are you yeah, that's for, even better because then I nail it and I feel you, better about myself. You want a participation ribbon? <laughs> yes, please. Okay. All right, the Wake and Bake Club inducting J.B. Pritzker in the state of Illinois to the WB Club. Saturday Suckage with Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Smoke weed every day. You're listening to Chicago's number one sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station.
It's going to be all over St. Louis. The Blues return home to play game three tonight against the Bruins. After winning in overtime in game two in TD Garden. By the way, this hour of uh, Saturday Soccer is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. And you can build your own Gloria, your own dressing room, your own... By the way, the last two hockey games between the Blues and the Bruins Mm -hmm. in the Stanley Cup Finals that have gone to overtime have been won by a guy wearing number four. That's how it works out. One of them is memorialized in a statue, the Flying Bobby, out front of TD Garden. (laughs) So the only number four who could score in overtime in Blues Bruins Stanley Cup Finals will be Carl Gunnarsson from here on out. That is Brent Sobel scoring in overtime. That's really what that compares to. So they're tied at one. Gloria is the Blues song. They told you the story of how they developed that. Here is, here's a story I never thought I would see. Finland, first of all, they win the world, the IIHF World Championships. They're Henry Yokoharu, Yokoharu, Blackhawks defenseman, and Kevin Lankinen, all world goalie. He owned the world. He was Finnish Jim Craig for this length of time. He's Hold on, be. folks. This is who I'm working with. When was that? Um, when did that take place? This the... last two weeks. Okay, and, and you and you've been watching. That's uh, he was Finnish Jim Craig. I'm just telling you who he was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to localize it. Okay, you know, Russia tried Everybody... to finish Jim Craig, and they couldn't. Hey, good now, but couldn't do it. Okay, I just love that you're you're focused. You're watching. Did you watch some of those games? I watched a little bit. <laughs> okay, but. The Finns win. Uh-huh. This is the best part. As great as they played, as wonderful as their, their skill level is and all of that hockey stuff. The Finns win the championship. They are celebrating their locker room. I'm going to bring you audio of them holding, you know, arms, hands over shoulder, arms over shoulders, and, and they're locked in this circle. And they're celebrating singing this. Hey, The Finns are Amazing. singing John Denver, I, take me home. Wow. What? <laughs> it, you never know. Nope. You never you never know what American pop culture tidbits take on life Worlds. and and ownership of their own in different countries. I, I remember one time being on a bus with a bunch of young, rowdy, drunk people from Spain. And they, we had no commonality in terms of language whatsoever, but they knew 50 different American pop hits of the 70s. And I'm like, what is this? Really? Were they saying, yeah. Brandy, she's a fine girl, what um, a good wife you would be? Yeah, some, st- like, yeah, and All, all Right Now, wonders. All Right Now, all um, right. Chevy Van, they're oh. singing Chevy Van, like a picture she was laying there. So you oh never know. God. So I Sammy love that, Johns, right? Uh, yeah, very nice. Uh, I love that you're bringing me the Finnish hockey team singing yeah, Country Roads. Singing Country Roads, right? Because <laughs> nobody else will sing John Denver. It might as well be the Finns. For all we know, they could think that's new over there. All right. So I have um, another piece of audio we'll get to later. But I wanted you to understand what Josh Bell just completed. Oh, yeah, man. Right? This, this kind of May. 
So let's let's first start with 12 doubles and 12 home runs in any calendar month in baseball history. Yeah, the the uh, about I gave this to Bruce Levine, so I'm with you. I'm with you, and um, I, I got this stuff as well. Okay, so let's we can share in it together. All right, all right. twelve I, homers, twelve. I don't want to pretend that I just happened to know it. I, I that's well. I'm sorry that I don't. I'm not presenting you with a oh, question. Oh no, it's good. The only two players who ever did this were Hank Aaron and Frank Robinson. They were good. <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, they were. Josh Bell with twelve. I, I'm stunned that more people haven't done it. Yes, and I the idea of 12 doubles and 12 home runs. I remember Willie Mays, um, I was because I love Willie Mays, and the 17 home runs he hit one August, let's say 65, and Rudy, why can't I think of the guy's name? But that was a record. Rudy, Rudy York. York. Yeah, and I'm thinking, really? And this is before steroids. They were doing uppers. They weren't doing steroids. But the, the idea of... 12 doubles and 12 home runs. Those are exactly the guys you would think would hit mm-hmm. both of them, right? And they would and Frank Robinson would take out a family of four while hitting one of those doubles. <laughs> right? That's amazing. An amazing thing. So here's so did you also run by Bruce the idea of 93 total bases or more? Yeah. And the, right. and the guys that are in front of him yes. on I, that list? Oh my. Here's Hall of Famers all. Here's what you I don't know who Cy Williams is in 1923, but he had 97 in May. 93 plus, 93 total bases or more. Josh Bell did that. He joins Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Stan Musial, Babe Ruth, yeah. Al Simmons, and Ty Cobb. Those guys are all Hall of Famers. This is not even that. This is this is royalty. Yes. This is. This is the mansion. If this there is where Josh Bell is. If there are different levels of the Hall of Fame, and there are, if you were to have the penthouse, Josh Bell just put up numbers mm-hmm. where guys push the P on the elevator and they get to go all the way to the top. Yeah, it's crazy. He's got 52 runs batted in on the year. He's hitting 343. He's got 18 homers. He's in the top five in all those categories. And, and he's got a really nice all-star T-shirt work. Did Believe. Yes, B-E-L-L-I-E-V-E. I um, just think that's terrific. In, 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 in the similar point of how you're kind of surprised that nobody, not more than just those three guys, have yeah. done 12 homers, 12 doubles in a month? Because I can grasp that those numbers. 93 total bases is a little crazy for me. Sure. And looking at that, yeah, I, I'm surprised. How about 50 home runs and 50 doubles in one year? That's been done once. Please tell me it was Willie Mays. No. Damn it. Then it doesn't count. It was right here in town. Sosa? No. I don't know. If, uh, thank God, Albert Bell only hit forty nine. Um, it was, so it's right. It wasn't. It wasn't here in town. But it was. It was Albert Bell. It was indeed Albert. Okay, hey, then Bell. it's a puke record. It doesn't count. We're not going to marvel over it. We're move right along. Here, I have audio that's a lot more. <clears throat> God, I hate when Albert Bell holds a record. Stop it. Okay. John Oliver. Yes. Genius. He had just absolutely the best. He's being interviewed wearing a Mets hat. He's being interviewed about why he's a Mets fan. And this is this is maybe the most, as we talk about the global effect of United States music, we're talking about the global effect of United, United States 
baseball teams and simply knowing right from wrong. Here's John Oliver answering why he's a Met fan. You're from England. You grew up in England, but you're a big Mets fan. We've heard since 2006, coinciding, I'm assuming, with when you're, uh, right. you joined the Daily Show with John Stewart. That's right. I think uh, John made it pretty clear that uh, being a Mets fan was mandatory. But also, uh, uh, as a real sports fan in England, I knew that it's just not acceptable to come to America and support the Yankees. <laughs> it's just not okay. So uh, yeah. So hence, uh, by default. I was a Mets fan because uh, I knew being a Yankee fan was the wrong thing to do morally. <laughs> being a Yankee fan is the wrong thing to do morally. It's just He's the name in, in and of itself. He's brilliant. I love him. That's just a great answer. That is wonderful. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, a new segment, Why I Hate Lim Bramber. We will also bring back a segment of your interview speaks with Scotty Pods. From last night, from Hit and Run. He was good last Sunday. He was he was your in-studio co-host. It's true. He was better than good. You were better than good. The 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 energy there and the stories being told, I I wanted to bring this back. So so we'll do that. Uh and I don't know, we'll just fill time until we do transition with Julie and Maggie, because we are the Village people. That's what we're here for on quite the Wake and Bake Club Saturday. Inducting J.B. Pritzker, the governor, state of Illinois, into the Wake and Bake Club. And January 1st, 20... Really, you'll have such a great reason to celebrate and welcome in the new year. January 1st, 2020 is when it becomes official, the the Wake and Bake Off of all time. So, there you go. Smoke weed every day. Mully and Hall. Chicago's Sports Morning Show. Jed Hoyer. What's the organization's philosophy on Joe using these guys in various roles? Yeah, we love it. You know, he believes that it keeps guys fresh. He feels like when you move around, you're out there reacting and you're, you know, it keeps things from being stale. We have so much versatility. Be ashamed not to use it. Mully and Hall. Mornings 5 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 